0: all right we are back to podcast and i hope everyone has had a good uh week and the lord's blessed you and i've had a good week it's been busy week with uh installs work and of course you know the ups as well um but we are diligent and and try to remain faithful to uh, the work and the call of god in our lives and uh, continue to pray, pray for the needs of the church and uh, permanent uh, situation. We are um, looking at a couple of places. I'm looking at the one uh, in Landis, hopefully this week uh, that I've made mention of. Uh, another opportunity is also kind of uh, possibly come up, so, which may even be even better. So uh, we just uh, we're just praying God's will. Uh, be done, and that we can move forward and uh, do more for him in the days ahead. I want you to take your Bibles uh, this evening. We're back in the book of Galatians, back in the book of Galatians, and I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed the Galatians study. And uh, one of my one of my favorites. Uh, I do. Uh, I love the epistles and. Um, the uh, the Ephesians are, are wonderful as well. We've got two more chapters in Galatians to cover, and so we'll be done with that on uh, Sunday night. Sunday night, we'll kind of conclude our Galatians study. Study. We've got uh, Galatians five tonight. And Galatians six on Sunday. Galatians chapter five. Now Paul is he is hammering this point home. He is serious about this matter of liberty in Christ. Now let me say up front that it, 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 in, for a mature Christian you, uh, you'll never get this you know confused but the the difference in liberty, and uh, a license to sin, okay Liberty in Christ is not is not a license to sin, okay? Right? it's it's quite the contrary, couldn't be more opposite. We do not have a license to sin. but Liberty in Christ is a, is a love of Christ-constraining issue. You remember I've said it often that, uh, and quoted it when Paul said that the love of Christ constraineth us. You remember me teaching on that on several several occasions. I've preached on it lately concerning the constraining love of Jesus Christ. So that's what liberty is seeking to teach us it's seeking to teach us that due to our mutual love for one another Christ's love for us, our love for Christ that we um, that that we have liberty and enjoy that liberty in Jesus now, we're going to Galatians 5 verse number 1 stand Okay, so to stand fast would mean to uh, stand strong, stand firm, is what he says. It's how he starts this off. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So Christ has made us free from the law. From having performed the law, he's made us free from sin and the bondage of sin, and that we're not to be entangled again with anything that would keep us in bondage. Now, that, that's a gamut. I've seen religious bondage. I've seen sin bondage. Drugs and alcohol and uh, pornography and gambling and, and all of these things that, that people are addicted to uh, hold, them on, hold them in bondage. Okay? and So we're not to be entangled in anything that would get us in bondage. But not only does it have to be those things, it could be, very well could be, and often is, uh, religion. Religion can put you in bondage. And that's more or less the context in our, our passage here, is, is the bondage of religion. So... Paul says, stand fast and don't be entangled with anything that would put you in the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So if you you think you have to be circumcised to be saved, then Christ is not doing anything for you. It was your circumcision that you think did it. Okay? Okay? verse number three for i testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law so if you put yourself under the uh the the guise of circumcision and require that for salvation then you have just made yourself subject to the entire law and the law system not just circumcision okay so, these are good points. These these are great arguments that Paul is making great and pure doctrine that he's teaching. So, let's take this a step further. Verse number 4, we were at. Look with me, Galatians 5. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. Now... We've heard that term before. There's not one of us in here that's been in church or saved in any amount of time that hasn't heard the term "fallen from grace." Now, when 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 we think of fallen from grace, we typically think of things that we've been taught by, say a uh, say a more Pentecostal or Church of God belief system or a free will Baptist belief system of being able to lose one's salvation. That's not what falling from grace is referring to here in the Bible. Falling from grace here in the Bible means that they, they clung to grace. They, they, grace was their only way. that they've added law and so they fell from that grace that God had had them. In. Now, that doesn't mean that they were lost. It could mean that they were uh, exposed to false doctrine and they almost give way to it. And that's why Paul was trying to, or seeking to try to correct this. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Okay? verse 6 for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but faith which worketh by love so it's not circumcision or uncircumcision now I love what he says here ye did run well who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth we could preach that for hours we could preach that for literally hours. Ye did run well. And notice it says, Who did hinder you? It doesn't say what hindered you. It says who. Typically, somebody that was running well ceases to run well. Someone that was in the race, in the fight, in the battle, doing the work of God, and they ceased to not always or usually not a what, but a who. That's what Paul said. Who did hinder you? Who hindered you? You were doing great. You were running the race of God. You were doing the work of God. Some Someone hindered you. Who, who did? Paul's asking that from obeying the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. So Paul's saying, look, whatever, whoever hindered you, whatever's going on, whatever persuasion you're finding yourself under, um, it did not come from him that calleth you. And now like this, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now the idea here is we, we know the, the teaching of unleavened bread. So a little sin, a little law, a little uh, work of the law as opposed to grace, a, just a little, it leavens the whole lump. It makes the whole lump bad. So we should remember that when we're referring to sin in our lives or, or things that, that uh, we're putting before Christ, that a little leaven, it doesn't have to be something big, a little disobedience, a little quote unquote sin and there's no little sin or big sin but something that we view little it it leavens the whole lump you get leaven in a lump of unleavened bread you've got to get it out and that's the teaching concept about sin in our lives or about this attempt at trying to to walk in the law and not in grace Verse ten, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. So Paul's trying to encourage them. He's, he's reminding them that he does have confidence in them, confidence in them in the Lord, um, that that they not be otherwise minded. Confidence in the Lord that they they not think. As they're thinking currently, notice what he says. So, notice the confidence he says here: Uh, that you be none other, otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Thy brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offence of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Now I like this. This is this is what I was talking to when I got started today. They're talking about when I got started today. When I said, liberty is not a license. Look at what it says. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. So Paul says here, you have liberty in Christ. You, you don't have to follow the law. The law is not your guide. The law is not what you are obeying. But you don't use that liberty in the fact that you're not having to serve the law as a license and an an excuse to live in sin. He says it's don't use that as an, as an occasion to the flesh. Um, verse number 11 For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And, you know, I've often thought of that, I've often preached that. But think about the depth. Of that, love thy neighbor as thyself. We we love ourselves pretty good. We take care of ourselves. We uh, we we don't want others to know bad about ourselves. We don't want others to think bad about ourselves. We uh, you know we we like to look out for ourselves. We feed ourselves and clothe ourselves and 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 so forth. And we should consider all of that. When the Word of God teaches us to love others even as ourselves. In other words, it doesn't say put others before yourself. Okay. But it does say love others like you do love yourself. Now, that's that's pretty plain. But to love and serve one another. Now notice I find this fascinating. In every epistle, every epistle in the church that Paul has to address, every so the, so I taught you what the epistles are. The epistles are letters to the churches. In every single one of them, even Philippi, Philippi, there's there's not a lot of rebuke, there's not a lot of sin, not a lot of there's law issues, but there is one problem. Every single epistle, you will find Paul has to deal with this matter of how we treat each other. And he's not talking about outside of the church. He's talking about inside of the church. Every single epistle, we should love and treat others, love others as we love ourselves. Now he's plain on this. But I'm telling you, every Church that you see every I've pastored two, and it goes, I it's went on in both. Yeah, I've had different results, it seems like, in, in different churches, but where a couple of people or a few people just couldn't get along, just didn't like each other, just couldn't click together, just couldn't get past differences, couldn't get past past things and issues. And it's without fail. Every church, Paul, and and here's what people think. Here's what they say. Well, I'm not going there. They they can't get along. I'm not going there. It's a big fuss and a fight. I, I'm not going there. That you know. And so they hop around and they ne- they never settle in a church. Here's the issue. Every single church Paul dealt with went through that. Every one of them. I've pastored two. and I've assisted others, every one of them, everyone I've ever been a member of, everyone I've ever pastored, everyone I've ever assisted pastored, everyone I've ever youth pastored, everyone I've ever dealt with. every single one of them have had this issue. might not have had some other issues might not have had. You know, an adulterous situation. Might not have had a, a, you know, different situations that you should, but every single one of them has had this. And guess what? Every single one that Paul with had this, dealt with had this. So obviously, leaving a church doesn't mean you're going to avoid it because it happens. So watch this. Verse number fourteen, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse fifteen, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So he's he's accusing them of biting and devouring one another, biting and chewing and and doing harm to each other. Now, here's the key. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he ties in not being able to get along with one another. He ties that in with walking in the flesh. When people can't get along with one another, as God dictates in the Bible, it's because one or both of them, usually both, usually both. As a matter of fact, about 99.9% of the time, in fact, probably 100%, I don't know that I've ever seen it just entirely one 100% of the time it's usually both or it's both because I say that and I can say that 100% of the time because the Bible gives us clear instructions that if there is an, there is an issue there is a problem with someone how to correct and how to amend it, and how to get it right. And if someone's not willing to do that, then guess what? They both have a problem. Verse number seventeen: For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So there's a constant battle: the lust and the, the lust of the for the spirit and the flesh, warring against one another, meaning you can't do and be all that you should do and be if this is happening, but if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law, now the works, now the Bible tells us right here, verse 19, get into the fruit of the spirit, teach I may come back to this and deal with it just a little more specifically, but I've dealt a lot with the fruit of the spirit, so we may not, but um, I, I do want to reiterate something that I've taught often. The, the fruit of the Spirit, its these are not singular. These are not individual aspects. The fruit of the Spirit are collective and it makes up, in other words, you can't have one without the rest of them. I've told you that before. And here's why I say it. It says the fruit of the spirit are manifest, which are these. Or the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. Okay, now these are singular. Now notice that that, that, that intricacy there. The works of the flesh are singular. The fruit of the spirit is not. Or, or in other words, these are individuals. Here, just let me read it I'll show you what I'm saying. Of God. Okay, that's pretty plain. So, notice it says the, the works of the, man, of, of the flesh are manifest, are these. So, it's given us in the praise of R, and it's listing them one by one. But notice when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law so what the way that's referred to this fruit of the spirit is is meaning there's this fruit and this fruit is made up of all of these aspects and if you've got the fruit then you got all these aspects that's what it's teaching I'm, I didn't I didn't make it up I'm just teaching it and preaching it and reading it. Now, when the Spirit controls your life, He causes the graces that are named here to grow in your life. So these these fruits, if you're a fruit that, if you please, are, are actually graces. And growth is going to be gradual. We've got to admit that. And more growth will appear in some believers than in others. That's John 15, 1 through 11. So, you got to allow people the opportunity to grow in grace. You've got to understand that it's gradual. You've got to understand that some will have more than others. Some will have have it at a different rate than others. But anybody that's saved will bear fruit. okay These are all plain, clear teachings. It'll be gradual. It'll be varied. Different people will have different amount of fruits. But if you're saved, you'll have that fruit. Verse number 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So if you're, you're Christ, then you have crucified the flesh that you can walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, we live in the Spirit. If we're saved, then you're living in the Spirit. If you're saved and alive, you're living in the Spirit. If you're saved and you haven't went to heaven yet, you're living in the Spirit. But the, the catch is, the challenge is if we live in the Spirit, and we are if we're saved, then we are to walk in the Spirit. That means a progression every day of walking in the Spirit of God. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another or envying one another. In other words, let's put the onus, let's put the responsibility on ourselves. So Paul lists several manifestations of the flesh. He lists drunkenness and adultery and fornication, and, but, and, and every one of them are. But what brings him to that subject matter just happens to be the fact that folks can't get along. And he's saying because of that, you're working outwardly in your flesh. Now here's the reality about that we're going to get along with different people at different levels some people you're going to be friendly with some people you're going to be really close with no preacher should ever try to force relationships or make people just really uh, you know be buddy buddy when maybe that's not how neither one of them are geared however just because you're not buddy buddy with someone just because you're not extremely uh, close with a certain person. Even if you disagree with them, that doesn't mean that you, there should be alts and issues and grudges and things that you just can't get past. You can make up every excuse and mountain on the man of why you don't want to be around the person or, or why you don't get along with the person, but the reality is. God doesn't address it in terms of the other person. He puts the responsibility on us. And there's a lot of folks that I probably don't see eye to eye with as I ought or as I possibly could. But by the grace of God, I'm not going to hold anything in my heart towards them. I'm not going to hold any kind of grudge. And that's that's how we remain filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> I don't want to hear that you're filled with the Spirit and you, uh, you, you're you a grudge holder and you, you're full of anger and, uh, and rage. And so that's what Paul is teaching us here. To be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be you filled with the Spirit and the Spirit of God and what the grace of God manifests in us. So that's what Galatians 5 is all about He's boiled down to this liberty issue. He's tied the bow on this liberty issue. He says, hey, listen. Now, you need to learn to have grace one towards another because the grace of God has been given to you. All right. I hope you've enjoyed Galatians chapter 5. Will be Galatians 6 on Sunday night. And I hope you've uh, enjoyed this lesson. Have a great day in Jesus. I'll see you on Sunday morning. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.